Welcome back to the Esports Forever podcast. My name is Ryan Hebert alongside Jacob Schrader delivering you the latest in esports news. First off this week, we're talking about investment in esports and how some are saying that this is just not a profitable business whatsoever. Now, over the past, I'm going to say 15 years, I used to say 10. It's really been more, it's been more like 15 years now. Over the past 15 years, esports has been a rising industry. We've seen major sponsors go in on these tournaments from Monster Energy to Red Bull. Okay, they, they sponsor some of the largest tournaments in the world, and those drinks are mostly tied to Pepsi Cola, Coca Cola, like all of these larger brands that have nothing to do with gaming, but are getting in on it because it's a great way for them to advertise their brands. That being said, this article from Axios.com talks about how, you know, esports venture capitalists are really dying out when it comes to just the amount of sheer uh, venture firms that are going in on esports. You know, there are some statistics here that are brought up in this article that I wanted to talk about. Uh, number one, the numbers out of 695 private gaming investments in the first nine months of 2022. 33 deals involved esports, about $310 million. That's down from 138 esports deals, $2.1 billion, out of 718 private financings in gaming in all of 2021. So, you know, they're taking a smaller segment, about nine months of 2022, and they're comparing it to 12 months of 2021. Man, that is a really big change in my opinion. I think part of that is due to the fact that live esports events were really that's I mean that's how you monetize, right? Hold a hold a live gaming convention and invite people to buy tickets to to, to get in. That's that's one way to monetize. But uh you know, putting that aside, COVID really changed up how people, you know, would would experience esports and unless you were like twitch.tv getting subs and and money from creators that were uh you know having all these people watch them you got to be I got to be honest, you know, I I got to ask the question of like how are VCs getting their money back if it's not through just plain old some type of advertising, right? That's Yeah. That's really the biggest thing. Uh, you know, th this says that there have been 695 gaming investments and only 33 have included esports. But, you know, that kind of means that investors are still looking at the games as viable investment strategies. It's not saying gaming is is done or not profitable, but the esports segment of gaming certainly looks to be. And yeah. I think they're right. Right. I mean, there were so many crazy valuations involving esports in 2021 mm -hmm. that investors are kind of just catching up and saying, I, I don't know if, if these these valuations are, are right. And, and I don't I don't think they are. Um, that is a shocking number. Right. <laughs> it's uh, honestly it's actually kind of crazy to see like the this is this is major investment firms making a market call this past year that esports are not the way or really aren't rising like they used to be which man if you think they're dying out i i gotta be honest i don't think esports are going anywhere in fact yeah. we've talked about how the olympics are going to be basically taking their own form of esports and adding it to you know international competition right you know 
while those may be just simulations of actual sports, like, you know, Madden is a thing, NBA 2K is a thing, right? We have all these sports games and such. I think it's kind of uh, I think it's kind of a miss, but I think the hardest part that they really hit home is that how do you monetize off of off of fans, right? It's one thing to have them buy a game, but if you have people who are fans of esports organizations or players, it's really hard to make money off of the people um, that are you know that are fans because like what they'll buy a little bit of merch, and then they're gonna watch their creator, but like what else you know? And that's, I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, you see esports organizations get started like 100 Thieves. And then you realize that 100 Thieves has moved into like so much more than just esports these days. Like, they're not just esports. Like, they are, they've got a, like a, a brand of a clothing line, right? They, yeah. they offer different clothing uh, brands and, and collabs constantly. Um, they have a whole social media and content presence that is beyond esports as well. Like they bring on personalities. Like re remember Snoop Dogg signing up to be a part of Hundred Thieves as well. I think it was Hundred Thieves. Um, but like you get the point. You know these esports orgs, they're going beyond esports because they need to make money. The investors of these, you know, of these companies, they want money. And if the orgs aren't providing, guess what? The orgs go away. That's why so many don't make it. It's because they're just not monetizable. How and and this is this is the biggest problem I have anytime a small org gets started and approaches a community like Pokemon or, or Smash. They want you to sign to a team. Great. Okay, so what does that team offer you? Well, they, oh, we'll, we'll get you a jersey. Okay, so what what as the player am I getting out of just wearing your jersey? Oh, well we're we're giving you a jersey. Okay, but are you paying for my my travel and expenses are you are you paying for my entry into a tournament right and then it's like well if they do those things okay great but here's the other question how does that company keep getting money are you taking tournament winnings from your sponsored players that's wrong <laughs> right yeah. that's wrong that that shouldn't be a thing but guess what major esports contracts have that in there they take part of the money from their players you know and why is that? Probably because these teams are the reason why some of these players have the pedestal that they do. Yeah. Or is it that the teams have the pedestal that they do because they get these major players playing on competitive ladders for like League of Legends? Like it's I feel like it's like a chicken or the egg sort of scenario where, you know, you you're like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to put money over here. And then it's like, OK, so where are you grabbing from to put money over there? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's, that's my issue. Okay. That that's, that's the biggest problem that I have overall. Yeah. I, I mean, esports are going to grow like crazy. It's just, they're, they're not showing profitability on their own for a no. brand like Pepsi or Red Bull. Esports are like the most powerful thing. Right. But the esports brands on their own aren't making any money. And, and that's where investors were fooled. I mean, esports has a huge space in the coming world for big corporations to attract the younger audience. It's just, I agree. I agree. It's the esports itself. Those firms are not making money. No, they're not. And that that's, what's troublesome. So, you know, we'll see where this goes. Maybe, maybe in 2023, we have more, more investments in esports again. We'll see. We'll see. The world is kind of coming back to some type of uh, regular reality here. So lots more going on, lots more happening, lots more events to be planned. And, and we actually have a, an interesting esports event to talk about here in a little bit.
But speaking of uh, a disaster in esports, man, the Super Smash Bros. competitive scene has been an absolute mess this past week because of one large esports organization known as Panda Global. Panda Global, they are one of the most widely known esports orgs for uh, quite a few games. Now, they're not 100 Thieves, but I'll tell you what, they're definitely up there uh, on the upper echelon of, of U.S.-based companies. Uh, especially for esports orgs. And the TLDR of this whole situation is this. Panda Global signed an official partnership contract with Nintendo in 2021. They have used said power of contract to basically gatekeep other upcoming organizations from holding larger Smash tours and tournaments. Now, we know Nintendo has banned third-party uh vendors from hosting smash tournaments mostly due to the fact that these tournaments were holding modded versions of the games in the competition for example project m is a very very popular mod to super smash bros brawl on the wii that makes it play like super smash bros melee but Nintendo doesn't like these mods. They don't like people going into their games and messing up the original code. Granted, look, Meta Knight was uh, an absolute menace in Super Smash Bros. Brawl, okay? You just mash B. But <laughs> Nintendo doesn't want you to, to change that. And so that's, that's their problem. People mod these games. These modded games get popular. And then they show up at major fighting you know, uh, events. And then Nintendo's like, sorry, uh, you can't run that. So we're just going to shut you down for everything. And so then these major Smash uh, tournaments that also have all these other fighting games are like, well, sorry, Smash fans, but uh, you you don't have this anymore. And so this has been uh, a tale for the past couple of years, especially during COVID, of Nintendo basically just like shooting themselves in the foot with all these third-party tours. And Panda Global is kind of at the heart of this whole controversy where this huge tour uh, was going to be happening. I, I can't remember the name of the company. Uh, off the top of my head, but it was found out that Panda Global had their fair share in the conspiracy of everything where they were involved with the decision as to whether or not this company should be allowed to run, uh, you know, a bigger smash tour. The problem was this company was running multiple Nintendo type, you know, based events with smash Panda Global has an official circuit with Nintendo as well. But Nintendo, you know, and, and Panda Global have the Panda Global series. And the problem is Panda Global is not inclusive of other smaller tours in their tour. But the the thing is, is that the other tours go, oh, we don't mind if the other series, you know, are exist. It just helps the scene. So you've got, no. you basically have this major monopoly player in the scene that's like, yeah, we don't like any grassroots. And then you have all the other grassroots that are like, we just want a larger community. We just want to keep existing. And Panic Global basically was like, fuck you, grassroots. Yeah, and that's I mean, come to bite them in the butt. It, it really has so badly. So they put, so they first put out a notice. This, this news drops about Panic Global basically cucking over this other company. News drops. It takes them two days to respond. They respond with a multi-paragraph statement that is super small text, hard to read. You got to zoom in. And once you read it, it's like nothing. We, they're like, wow, you know, there's quite a bit that's been going on. But, you know, we, we do our best in the community to uplift those around us. And it's like, 
this is bull. Like this is not true. This is this is just this is just not not fair. And so a couple days later, Panda Global with all the, you know, more backlash, they basically fire Allen, their CEO, uh, as he was the one who made the ultimate decision to try to cut out these other grassroots events uh, yeah, from trying to, to do stuff. It's pretty terrible, really terrible. And even worse, the reason why they fired Allen is because their entire roster of gamers yeah. have literally just walked on Panda Global. This is really big news because you know you've got the top players that have been playing some of the most popular titles for smash leaving what is has been known as like the leading smash agency and organization you know yeah. and so now they're all free agents on the market but can any other team truly afford what panda global was providing i don't know i don't know uh, that's really what it, the the main thing uh, you know, so Panic Global said, look, we're, we're, we want to regain your trust again. We're putting a pause on our official series. And so I think what they're going to do is they're going to take time to heal. They're going to take time to basically have people forget. And then eventually they will come back strong as ever. People will play in their series again. Some people may still boycott them, but I think they are going to have a renewed sense of, uh, of love eventually. It's going to be a while. But eventually, they'll get there. How How is Panda Global able to host this series if Nintendo banned all third-party events? They are the official partner okay. with Nintendo for Smash events. And Nintendo hasn't changed their stance on this following all of this controversy? Nope, because Nintendo listened to Panda Global. You think they're going to respond? <laughs> they don't want any backlash. They don't. And they don't even care. You know, They don't care about backlash. They're the ones who have canceled all these other tours before this anyways. So, so the Smash World Tour is ran by Panda Global or by Nintendo? Panda Global. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. For, they do it for Nintendo. I gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. I, you know, it, it, 10 of 17 listed roster members resigning and all this. I mean, I don't think those guys are coming back. No. I mean, maybe if this new seat, if the company really rebrands itself well and makes amends, but that's a really tough situation. That's a tough. That's a tough ask. I think that's the power a tough of the ask. Internet. I mean, this stuff happens so mm -hmm. fast, very quickly. Right? And it's so hard to deal with it when it's all on the internet and everyone's talking on Twitter and and everyone on Twitter is bashing you. You just can't compete with that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It's tough. It's tough out there. It's tough out there. Speaking of it being tough out there, Riot Games has opened an airport hub for League of Legends so that now you can throw on the go. I love this. <laughs> so in, in South Korea, uh, Riot opened up an airport hub so that people could play uh, like League and Valorant uh, between flights or like waiting for your flight. I yeah. love this. I am always for esports uh, stands and, and areas opening up. In fact, I, I wish they were more common. I think it'd be hilarious to be able to do. Uh, however, I think it would suck to be in a league game and have your flight leaving. And then, you know, yeah. like Riot would probably have to have some special uh, airport servers for uh, for folks needing to play on the go. Or maybe they keep it to ARAM games only. I don't know what. But, uh, you know, they, they probably couldn't have full league games going on. Same goes for Valorant, too. Like, Valorant rounds can last forever if the teams are oh, just the evenly matched. Games, yeah, they're like 40-minute yeah. games. Exactly. And that, I, that, uh, 
Yeah. I play TFT sometimes on the plane, right? On my phone, you'll be able, if you oh, have yeah. Wi-Fi, you'll be able to play with 500 ping. And TFT, it's possible, <laughs> right? League, League and Valorant, it's not possible. But no. TFT, you can, and it's fun. And I actually took a look at the video they posted. It, it's quite a decadent lounge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's Very almost nice. you know, branding for Riot as well as a place for people to play. It looks like there's a lot of memorabilia in there, books themed to Riot, you know, action figures. It, it's it's cool. It's general branding for Riot. And then if, if people want to play some games, they can. Right? I think this is marketing mostly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, speaking of marketing, I'm going to skip over the fourth point here and come back to it. Riot, yesterday, before the end of the year, they had made a promise to their fans that they would put out a deep dive on their fighting game, Project L. They displayed gameplay mechanics for the first time, and my goodness, did they deliver. Community members are overjoyed. They are excited. This looks like it's going to be the next big IP title from Riot, as if they needed another one. (laughs) As if they needed to enter another gaming space with something that is already amazing. They are doing absolutely that. And they get to cheat by using characters that they have already made, right? They don't even have to make up new roster characters for this thing, okay? They can... But they just got to take from the champions in League of Legends. And there are plenty to go around, right? It's kind of like how Pokemon Unite works. They keep making new Pokemon, so they're never going to run out of characters to include on the roster if they drip, you know, five to ten out every, you know, every single year. So, you know, it's definitely uh, pretty hilarious. Uh, But, uh, yeah, you know, this, this is really cool to see. Like, Project Dell has been in the works for a long time. And it's really great that Riot came through on their promise for, you know, showing quite a bit of gameplay before the end of the year. I think that was yeah. really important for their investors, for their fans, for quarter four, right? Uh, you you want to wrap up quarter four very nicely. And so I think this for Riot is uh, definitely uh, a good affirmation as to where the future is for the company and what for what's for what's to come. I mean... I'm looking at the the gameplay here. I see Jinx, I see Darius, and I see Echo. Oh yeah, and it's very anime esque mm-hmm. the, the gameplay, and it's cool. I mean, Jinx looks absolutely sick here, and Echo when they swing their sword, it pauses each time, and you kind of see the uh, sword flying through the air. Uh, I can't tell who the female character is. I guess it could be Morgana. Yeah, it, it may not be. Is it? I, I I would need to take a look at okay. it again myself. You know, but it, it's cool and it's a unique style. I will say, you know, Riot, it, it's almost like they pump out successful games as successful games. But, you know, Legends of Runeterra is a game that I don't think has done as well as Riot had hoped. Uh, I was you know, I, some, yeah, please. I was reading some comments and, uh, you know, the community members are leaving the game. I can't remember the exact reason. But it was interesting to see that a Riot game was not at the top of its class, right? It's kind of a card-based auto, not auto-battler, but a card-based game that I don't think took off where they wanted it to go. Isn't um, it like auto chess? Like, or no, is that, that's, no, that's TFT, TFT is their that's auto right. chess. But this is like yeah. Hearthstone. Yeah, I think there are too many good good like online card games like Hearthstone and, and now Marvel Snap. I yeah, just don't think yeah. Legends of Runeterra has been able to keep up. Um I don't know why, but like I, it's not a major title that I look at when I open the Riot launcher. I'll tell you that, 
you know, maybe mobile only, to be honest. And that that could also be another problem, too. You know, so yeah. many of Riot's user base are in the United States are, are going to be for for con, uh, for PC. Right. Yeah. But uh, I think doing both is the sweet spot. I don't know if they I think they do plan to do Valorant on both console and mobile. But I got to say the TFT mobile app is the best mobile app I've ever used. Yeah. So easy to use. It, it literally crashed on me one time. And I remember thinking this is the first time in two years that this app has ever crashed on me. Right. Well, and then I realized lucky. it's not just me. There's a whole, you know, yeah. they, they had a bug and it was crashy for everyone. And I was oh, like, okay. oh, right. I'm okay with that. You can, <laughs> you, you're allowed to have a bug in two years. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, Riot's doing well. If there's anything to take away from this talk today, um, so we'll, we'll we'll keep following them as they as they keep doing this. Now, okay, so I've got an article here about uh, a content creator named Trainwreck. Train wow, Trainwreck. Uh, Trainwreck quitting Twitch to join a startup streaming rival. Actually, there is more drama to this story that dropped today. When I got this article late, like late last night, early this morning, okay, you're not going to believe this, but you know, so Trainwreck is quitting Twitch to join a startup called Kick. Kick is a company started up by an offshore casino, and that's where kick is getting all the money to support the creators that they want to put on the platform kick is promising a 95 to 5 percent payout ratio when it comes to i think subscriptions and and i think 100 percent of donations and bits when you buy a hundred dollars in bits you actually get a hundred dollars yes and the reason why they can do it is because a major casino is backing kick and that is what people are freaking out about. They so are don't like that. They do not like that there is a casino, a betting. You, you and I both know this, okay? Esports, they don't like betting. They don't like NFTs. They don't like crypto. Okay, crypto sometimes is okay. NFTs and betting, <laughs> we know this. And if the esports community does not like this, now, I'm already. I'm. I was already going to be like, look, this is a bit preemptuous to say. Oh, can this rival Twitch as a as a major streaming platform? I say absolutely fucking not. If the largest technological company in the world, Microsoft, fails at launching their own streaming service mixer with one of the largest content creators, Ninja, to date in, in the past, and that fails, how the heck do you think a, 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 a random sports, you know, not sports, but a random casino is going to just launch some creator platform that's just going to take off because they promised more money? How is that going to rival Microsoft? I don't think it does. I literally, I, I just, how blind and dumb do you have to be to see that the streaming space is dominated by Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch? Twitch was bought by Amazon, and it has the entire Amazon Prime user base at its disposal. Facebook is the largest interconnected website of people in the world, and YouTube is is fucking YouTube, okay? It's owned <laughs> by Google. It's owned by Alphabet, one of the largest search engines, search engines, search, wow, search engines in the world. When you have the largest companies that have monopolies over the interwebs, 
you're you're saying, oh, we're going to provide a good creator economy, and that means that that this this user and more are just going to leave Twitch behind, and it's all going to be better. Are you fucking dumb? Like, you think people haven't done this before? They have. In fact, I've worked with so many different people who claim to have the next big startup, right? We even have streamed, you know, we've streamed to Theta.tv. We've streamed to Facebook. We've streamed to YouTube. We've done all this sort of stuff, right? But why do those not take off? Why does Theta not take off? Uh, when I worked at this other company in the past, I remembered there was this live streaming site that it, its specific niche was the fact that they were not safe for work friendly. And I'm like, that's super niche. Like, uh, so you're telling me you're just turning your live streaming site into a campsite. That's all I, that's all you needed to say. Like that, that's, that's not special. That's not going to attract Ninja. That's not going to attract big, big creators because the younger demographic is what is behind gaming. Those are the people that are going to watch their favorite creators. And sometimes you have older people, but if you're keeping, if you are gatekeeping kids under 18 from going onto your site as a not safe for work platform, man, you've already shot yourself in the foot. And the same goes for this startup. If the casino behind this company is providing all of the funding and money, what makes you think they're not going to run ads for the casino? And then I start asking myself, okay, so when does the U.S. government and when do other governments around the world start stepping up and, and, and going, well, why are you advertising betting to kids? Then that's a whole other problem. And you just see that this is just a giant spiral to, you know what, train wreck? Nobody fucking cares that you quit Twitch. I don't even know who you fucking are, okay? At the end of the day, this is just a stupid article and a stupid idea. Look, I believe in the American dream. I believe that you should be able to go out and do anything you want to do. Start up your own freaking company. I have, I have my own company, right? I go around and sing Sinatra, but I know that there are people bigger than me, better than me, that have done it for a long-ass fucking time, and I know that it's going to be really hard to even break into the space to, to do what they do. Maybe you break through. Maybe you are a unicorn and you're able to break through and you're able to do it. But most of the time, you're going to be a steaming pile of shit and it's not going to be worth nothing. And that this is just, a, it's just all an elaborate, you know, scheme to try to get some money from some VCs, investors, and then have it fail and walk away having learned nothing except for the fact that you, you sucked. You sucked, you tried, you failed. Maybe you learn a couple things out of it, and then you decide to say, well, I guess this wasn't for me, and you move on. Guess what they're still going to go do? That casino is still going to go do betting, okay? They're still going to go do what the things that make them money. But for now, they have this pathetic attempt at a stream streaming startup rival. How dare you even call it a rival? <laughs> pathetic. Pathetic is what I have to say. That's enough of my rant, Jacob. Anything you want to say? The biggest thing that stands out to me is this website is the exact same as Twitch. It is literally a carbon copy of the Twitch website. I've never mm -hmm. seen anything that's so close to another website. Like, it is the exact same thing as Twitch. I don't know how they did it, but it literally looks like Twitch. Is it? Um, so what is it? Kick.com? Kick.com. It is crazy how much this looks. It, it, it's like the exact same website. If I didn't know that this was Kick.com, I would wow. just say it was Twitch. Um. I don't know if that's even allowed, right? Is that a is that a violation of IP for Twitch? I don't know. It could be. Um, but, right. uh, this thing does look like Twitch. It's crazy. It's the it's the exact same thing as Twitch. You got the stuff up top for the featured streams. You've got the sidebar for recommended. Yep. You've got top live categories, and you've got, I mean, you've got recommended sections, and that's exactly what Twitch is. Um, I don't know. I agree with you though on the the, the comments. So. 
Let me just say this as well. There's has been a huge controversy of late over betting on major platform slot machines being used. And so that was a huge issue last month where major creators were promoting like slot machine type type betting and stuff like that on Twitch. And so Twitch came out and said, we're banning all gambling content. So if anything, this is someone trying to, to answer the, this is a gambling friendly site. Right, so remember the NF, the not safe for work site that I mentioned that basically is a cam site. Well, mm-hmm. their top their top section on on kick.com when I just when I just opened was gambling because they had one streamer with 1700 plus people watching out of the 1900 total people for that category. Okay? Yeah. So if you got if you want to know what the niche of kick.com is going to be, I can tell you the writings on the wall, <laughs> it's for gambling. Okay? Yeah. That's what it is. You want to watch gambling? Go to kick.com. But guess what? I can I could start up a VPN and I could say that I'm in Puerto Rico and then all of a sudden I could start playing 21, okay, from my computer right here. Did you do did you know how popular that is for people to do? I had no idea. My my brother in college, him and his friends, they're all in these frats. They buy VPNs and then they they mark themselves being in Puerto Rico and then they they make legit cash playing playing blackjack online yeah. virtually. With like oh, yeah. a real dealer, it's crazy. I had no idea that this like that this this was going on. It sounds like such like black market shit to me, but it's like no, you're just playing some card games to win some to win some money. Insane, insane. The VPNs it, are uh, <laughs> dangerous. I mean, they can technically track if you have a VPN. They may be just deciding to look the other way, right? That's how they make all their money. They don't make money on people betting in Puerto Rico. Exactly. Wherever they make them <laughs> on U.S. kids who have the VPN and they choose to look the other way. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Okay, moving on. Moving on. We've got a, a couple more uh, articles here, and then we'll end it off. Title Fortnite match of the century. As if this game could not go to die already. It's still as is popular as ever. Fortnite is oh, here, yeah. and you better be ready for two of the biggest Fortnite creators and players in the game to go head-to-head in a special event on Tuesday Night Gaming. Bugha and Ninja, two of the most well-known players in the game. Yes, they both have character avatars in Fortnite as well. We'll be going head-to-head in a a gaming special uh, that they will be airing on TV, and they're hoping to to see. uh, This is for NFL NFL Tuesday Night Gaming, by the way. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, know, I know about this. It's cool. Yes. So you know, I I love this. I think it's a it's a great publicity stunt. If anything, I think this is a big thing for Ninja. I haven't seen him around in a long time for a big Fortnite event. And mm-hmm. in all honesty, I think you know his branding and stuff. He I know he got sick of Fortnite, and then eventually he came back because he realized you don't have a following without Fortnite, <laughs> and that's that's crazy. You know, I'm gonna be honest. Ninja is a guy who started in the Halo, uh, competitive Halo scene. He then yeah. became one of the biggest and most popular creators in early Fortnite. And then, you know, this guy, he was he had so much fame 
who's one of the largest oh, streamers on Twitch. He then goes over, leaves Twitch, accepts a you know two million dollar contract for Mixer. Mixer goes under. He comes back to Twitch, realizes he lost a bunch of his following, and so he's been working so hard to get it back between you know partnerships and and sponsors and and trying to do all these different events. And here he is back again with with Fortnite to do a, a big season four event with uh, a former Fortnite champion. Um, yeah, I think this is really cool. I'm I'm glad to see it in the mainstream. I'm I'm all for, uh, you know, esports like this getting getting shown to, uh, you know, larger viewer bases, uh, especially viewer bases that may feature some older folks. I'm gonna be honest, you know, older folks still like playing video games, right? A lot of people in their 40s and 50s they remember when they were younger in college, late high school. They remember playing those early shooters, those 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 games. Like a lot of those, a lot of those people, you know, they they were starting work and then COD was coming out and they were playing COD with their buddies, hopping online. Like there are people that are in their 30s, 40s, and even 50s that do like to game, and I think you know showing them Fortnite is is definitely a good way to maybe get some of that demographic, and also to have the younger demographic come and watch the NFL as well. Let's not be let's not be stupid, okay? This is for the NFL to garner a younger audience to watch the NFL game and to watch the Fortnite game. It's like Nickelodeon pairing up with the NFL to the to do the, the the yearly special uh, Nickelodeon uh, football games, which by the way are the most entertaining way to watch NFL games. By the I way, agree. I agree. They are. They are the absolute top like echelon way to witness any game in the NFL. I don't care. I don't care what you want to say about the the Manning brothers doing Monday Night Football. Nickelodeon NFL is the way of the future, and that's all I want. That's all I want. Yeah, I mean the the, the real duo in for Ninja was him and Tfue, but Tfue yeah. is so like out there. He you can't you can't put him on a live stream for kids anymore. No, he's gonna start you know talking crap about Ninja. I mean, just the thing. I mean, Fuga is a much better Fortnite player. Oh yeah, it's for like sure. Not even close. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is like a one v one. It'll be interesting. Um, I think I would put my money on Fuga to win, but I think it'll be fun. It'll be cool to watch. It'll be cool to see. Normally, they have some NFL players doing this too, right? They'll have you know maybe four or five NFL players and two celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it could be they have some some big names playing alongside them or. Something like that. It, it'll be exciting to see. I agree. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to hear about it. We'll see how it goes. Last but certainly not least, uh, this is an article that you brought up, Jacob. So I'd, I'd love if you could kick it off here and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll end off things after that. Yeah. So Esports Entertainment Group, SAC's CEO, Grant Johnson. Mm. Um, Esports Entertainment Group has been a public company for maybe four years now. Uh, back at the start of COVID, the stock went crazy. It went from about $3 to $17 and has since crashed completely and is less, it is now worth like a cent or like 15 cents. No way. Oh, it's, it's crazy. Um, and they have some, some solid ground. It's, it's esports mixed with betting. So it's mm. live esports tournaments in Vegas where people can bet. I don't think they have a strict direct-to-consumer sports betting app, although I could be wrong. I've always been a little bit unclear as to what the operations of this company actually were. It's like they had a big name. They had big funding. They had, you know, they were everywhere, it seemed. You know, they were marketing themselves, but I never really figured out what they did. Um, and I think that the public has the same feeling because their stock has just tanked. Yeah. Um, it's, it's down 97% year over year. They're basically... You know they're they're due for a Nasdaq delisting, which is a big deal. 
I mean, that's hard to re- recover from. And they're, 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 they're basically uh, sacking their CEO here, Grant Johnson. Um, it tell, it's, this is kind of what we were saying earlier, where venture capital is sick of these esports valuations. And this is a company that kind of got caught in the middle of it, right? They're an esports entertainment company that the, the public jumped on, and I'm sure institutional investors did too. And there's probably so much pressure given the fact that COVID canceled online or, or in-person events. And oh, yeah. these guys are probably having a really tough time generating revenue. Um, so it's something to look into. It's interesting. It shows you that, you know, even if you might have a great idea and great branding and you're hot at one time, stuff can change really quick. Um, and that's what happened to Esports Entertainment Group uh, and Grant Johnson. Well said, man. Well said. I appreciate the uh, the update, the insight, and uh, rip to that CEO. Speaking of CEOs, if y'all didn't hear, Bob Iger coming back for Disney. Oh, yeah. Bob Chapek, gone, got the boot. Listen, I commend any CEO that had to guide any company through COVID. Like, that just, that was not easy. But, man, Iger's coming back, and we are going to return to the glory days. That's all I yeah, got to say. I love Iger. Iger had a great uh, autobiography. Um, yes. I recommend it. Hi, it. It was a good one. It was a good one. Okay, folks, thank you so much for watching this week's episode and of the Esports Forever podcast and taking a listen in here. Uh, definitely appreciate y'all for supporting the channel. If you'd like to keep supporting us, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, like, comment, uh, share out this this video. Uh, for those of you listening in on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, and more, uh, please uh, give us a follow, share out those audio links as well. Anything helps. If you would like to be featured on said podcast for the future, we are opening up our slots for interviews for folks in the esports space. Whether you are competitor, publisher, tournament organizer, gamer alike, let us know. We want to talk to you. We want to have you on, and we'd love to chat. Until next time, my friends, that's all we've got time for today. Until next time, we're out. 